Welcome to Elevate. I'm so happy you're here with me today and I cannot wait to share this episode with you. As an evidence-based coach, mentor, and entrepreneur, I'm obsessed with learning and personal development as it's transformed my entire life, as well as those I get to work with. And to be quite frank, it's literally the entire reason this podcast exists, to feel your growth, gain perspective, and acquire knowledge. So buckle up, friends. You're in for a treat. And as always, thank you for supporting me and the show so we can continue to elevate our own lives as well as those you share this with. Now, let's get into it. What is going on, team? Happy New Year's Eve. This will come out probably at the beginning of January unless I decide to get ambitious and upload it early. But I wrote out some of my top 10 lessons from last year, and it resonated a lot with people on social media. If you guys don't follow me, my Instagram is Kate and Michelle. Um, And in going through these, sending it off to our email list and posting on Instagram that I would send it to people, it seemed to resonate very well. But I also did not really elaborate too heavily on the things that I mentioned, it was just kind of cliff notes. And so I wanted to expand a little bit um, on those ideas, but also walk you through what you need to do in order to be successful with setting any new goal for the new year. So I'm going to go down my list and then give you some strategies on not only how to make a resolution, but how to make sure that you are successful in that. So lesson number one from my top 10 list of 2022, and I'll probably throw in a bonus at the end. The first one was to outwork your self-doubt because we all have doubt, every single one of us. And one of my favorite quotes, it's actually a tattoo that I have. It says, doubt kills more dreams than failure ever will. And the only way that we can move through doubt and build confidence in our ability to do something is to outwork it. And so when I think about these things, you know, when I think about coaching, for example, like I am incredibly confident in my ability to help anyone in any coaching situation when, with regard to health optimization, fitness, uh, athletics, you name it. Um, and I've done the work in my research, in my master's, in my undergrad education, in my experience being a division one athlete coming from nowhere. Um, you know, all of those things have given me so much knowledge, perspective, application, and evidence that I am incredibly confident in my ability in that arena. But there are other arenas that we step into. For example, um, you guys know that my personal life um, and dating relationships, right? I am single as a Pringle. And, you know, this year I had to step into an arena where I let my guard down and I opened myself up and I became entirely vulnerable and I got my heart broken and that sucked. And on the other side of that, I just have to continue to give myself the courage to not shut down because after my last relationship, I had done that. Right. And I have a lot of self-doubt that comes with that from my own experiences in life and and childhood traumas and all that stuff. Right. We all have shit. Uh, I am not different from you in that. And so when it comes to your capabilities and what you believe that you can do, the only way out is through, right? The only way that you will ever find out what you're capable of achieving is to have the courage to face it and put in work and outwork all of the doubts that you have, right? That was a big pivotal moment for me when I launched my business is like, I am so confident about coaching, but running a business, that is an entirely different skill set, knowledge application. And I had to learn and I had to learn quickly. And I had to invest in that and I had to make mistakes and I had to do all of that stuff. And now I'm much more confident in that arena 
just because I put in the work. And again, if you guys have followed me, you know that I would spend, I mean, I worked long days and there's a difference between being busy and productive. And I'll talk a little bit about that as well, but I didn't have the systems and strategies because I was constantly learning, consuming, investing in mentors, you know, doing all of the things for people, for learning from people that were ahead of me that I trusted to get me further. Because whether you invest in a coach or a mentor or a combination, um, the goal with all of that is to shorten the time horizon in which it requires you to succeed, right? Like most people don't need more information when it comes to health and fitness or weight loss. There's enough information on the internet. We don't need information. We need support. We need accountability. We need perspective and we need guidance. And that's why having someone in your corner can prevent the overthinking of, well, is this right? Is this wrong? Do I pivot here? Oh no, the scale is up. What do I do? Is this too much? Is this too little? Do I increase food? Do I decrease food? Do, do I up my cardio? Do I need to add more training? And it can leave you in your head. Whereas if you have somebody else to go, this is what you need to do. This is why you need to do it. And if you have any questions, I'm here to support you. Or if you're struggling in your personal life or your personal development side or in your business, having people that can see your blind spots and go, ah, yeah, I remember when I was there. This is this is the deficit that you have. This is where you need to go. This is skills that you need to acquire. These are the habits that you need to change. This is the belief that you carry that's not real, right? And when you can have somebody to walk you through that, you get an entirely different perspective and then you have the courage to try. So that is the first lesson is to outwork your self-doubt. Number two, um, this is a, a really good one for me. Um, and I think that a lot of people need to hear this. Just because something is difficult doesn't make it valuable. And if you don't decide what you find valuable or meaningful in life, oftentimes we will chase things that society has deemed valuable or worthwhile. I think a lot of people don't take the time to understand themselves. I don't know that most people know who they are, what they want, what they find meaningful. And then you chase these shiny objects or, you know, pursuits of validation. And then you get there and you, it's never as satisfying as you think it's going to be. And that's because you had an unrealistic expectation of how it would feel because you had a thought with a feeling and you're like, oh, once I get there, I'll feel fulfilled. I'll feel happy. I'll feel all these things. And you never took the turn, the time to internalize and reflect on what was meaningful about that pursuit to you as a person versus what other people would think of you in, in chasing that pursuit or accomplishing that pursuit. And I think that's really important. And I'm so grateful, so, so grateful that I, my mom worked so hard when I was growing up and she sacrificed everything to give us anything, right? She worked three jobs. She never missed a game. And even though we didn't have a lot as far as like material items or all of that, I was happy as a kid. Well, most, mostly I had my own shit, obviously. And I've talked about that and the pursuits of basketball and how, you know, that really saved me. But in my own growth and development, and as I step into adulthood and really think about what I want the rest of my life to look like, it's not chasing shiny objects or material things. And I know a lot of people, and I'm very grateful for this as well, who are in, in social media world. And if you looked at their bank account, they are successful people. And you're like, oh my God, their life must be great. And while it was difficult for them to get there and it, it required a lot of work and it was, it was good work and they accomplished that thing. 
they're also incredibly unhappy because they don't have what I would say is the most meaningful thing that we can ever have, which is family and it is love and it is connection and it is contribution and growth. And again, if you don't take the time to sit and decide and figure out what you find meaningful, right, what is is important to you, you will constantly exist or run a cycle. And I think this is a thought that I had yesterday while I was walking and not to get too philosophical on you guys, but I think a lot of people fear death because deep down inherently they know that they're not living the life that they wanted to live. And the beautiful thing about the human experience is that it is finite. We're not meant to be here forever. We are always, always faced with a path and I'll talk about choosing the right path in a moment, but I think it's very important to understand the type of life that you want to look back on in the life that you want to live. And one of the best frames that I've, ever heard that really changed my perspective a couple of years ago was that everything in life is meaningless and you get to decide what you find is meaningful, right? And that can sound very nihilistic to people, but if you remove anything having meaning, then you can decide what you find meaning in, and then you'll have clarity on why it's meaningful. And you're much more aligned with your vision, your mission, your values, your pursuits versus just chasing something because it seems as though in other people's eyes, it's quite valuable. So therefore I should desire that thing. The third insight and reflection from last year, and and actually this is a culmination of years, um, but some of the biggest takeaways in working more in personal development and psychology and, and helping people grow um, is that there is a cost to inaction, right? There is a price to that. And so there's this constant balancing game of, I want to weigh the pros and cons of any decision that I make. And if, if you guys don't follow me, like I said, I do post a lot about this type of content. And one thing that I do when I'm faced with the decision is I weigh the potential upside of that and the potential downside. And then I ask myself, well, can I live with the potential downside of this? And if the answer is yes, then I typically do it, right? Because there is a cost to not doing anything at all. Because again, going back to time, while people chase money and material things, when you die, none of that will come with you. Only the time that you spent and how you spent it. And so the cost of inaction is delaying and wasting the most valuable asset that you have, which is your time, because it is not infinite. And so when it comes to making a decision, while you shouldn't be in a rush, right? You can't be impulsive with those things, but you do want to weigh the pros and the cons, the costs, and then decide if it's worth it. And once you decide, you then must commit because if you don't ever commit to anything, you're just half-stepping everything. And then you're in this cycle of, I want this thing, but I'm too afraid to pursue it. And when it gets hard, then I quit. And then again, if you're doing that, why are you quitting? Is it something that you actually find meaningful? Because if it is, right, the, the passion is in the pursuit, right? The purpose comes from the endeavor. So that's the thought on that one. Um, lesson number four, is that you teach people how to treat you. And this is something um, that really helped me when I was studying more psychology this last year and understanding and meeting people where they are. And I think a lot of us forget that people are walking through life and experiencing it based on their own lens of the world. And that doesn't mean there aren't things that aren't concrete. For example, you guys are sitting here watching me on a screen or listening to me on your, on your AirPods or whatever while you're out walking or driving or something along those lines. Like that is concrete. But 
the way that you experience my voice, the way that what I say may or may not resonate with you, the little nuggets that are like, wow, I, that means so much to me. I get it. And then some of you are like, I don't know where you're going with that. It's over my head, right? Like the way that you internalize, the way that you connect, the way that you experience things, the things that you fear, where does that come from? Maybe in your relationships or your experiences with other people. And the hard part about that is we can internalize a lot of other people's projections, and once I really started looking into psychology and triggers and responses from people, it helped give me a lot of release on internalizing a lot of things. And one of the biggest insights is actually a big lesson from last year is that if you always expect yourself from other people, you will continue to be disappointed because they don't have the same perspective or lens or heart or experiences or empathy or anything along those lines, because if someone grew up and, you know, I can say this about myself, I guess I'll just get a little bit vulnerable. Um, my, not this short past relationship, but, um, it took me about eight years after the one that I had, um, previously. And that one for me, um, it was incredibly toxic, very abusive, um, in many different arenas that I, I don't feel I need to elaborate on, but it, it left me with such trauma that every time somebody would try to do something good for me, you know, I, I took it as a red flag and I still to this day, if I'm going to be transparent, um, I struggle a lot with intimacy um, because the last time that I had been that vulnerable with someone, it was very traumatic and it wasn't loving. And I still have a very strong physiological response to those things. And, and I can calm my nervous system and, and regulate it. Um, but these are things based on my experiences that I bring into a relationship. Um, and it's not the person that I'm with. It, it's, it's the things that I carry, the lens that I've experienced relationships and, and, and they've molded me. Like when you think about different cultures and, and what is acceptable in them and what is not, what is acceptable in some cultures is, is like really radical in other cultures, right? Because that population has taught those people what is okay. And so when you walk into different cultures, when you experience different people, you just have to understand that they might act the way that they do or say the things that they say not to insult you or come off a certain way, but because it was, it was deemed acceptable in the environment that they were in. And one of the things that we have to be conscious of is if someone is doing something that you don't like, or if you need something from someone, and again, this is a totally different tangent that I could go down about pride, you have to communicate that. Because if you don't have the courage to communicate, you will build resentment. Um, and it's not for lack of their own desire. Most people want to help. Most people want to understand. Most people want to cultivate good, genuine, deep connections with other people. But you can't give them the opportunity to do that if you refuse to communicate because you expect them to see you and understand the world or the way that you want to be treated when their experience has been very different. So that was lesson number four. Lesson number five, uh, you will not achieve anything if you aim at nothing. And this is something that comes from Jordan Peterson, who I very much enjoy listening to. Um, people have their own opinions of him. While I don't agree with everything, I do agree with a lot of his, a lot of his perspective. And I think that when we set goals, I think it's amazing to do that because if you have no idea where you're where you want to go, if you're not aiming at anything, you cannot orient yourself in any direction, right? Or know where to go and travel. 
But it's deeper than just that. And this is kind of my spiel on New Year's resolutions. And a lot of people in fitness shit on New Year's resolutions. I don't. If it gets you motivated to start doing something that is going to benefit you and you can start making strides in the right direction, I think that's incredible. Right? Some people need a deadline. It's like goal setting. Some people, competitors, they love knowing when they're going to hit the stage. It's not just like, hey, diet forever. Get super shredded and then we'll decide. Like, No, they want that tangible, tactical end goal date right and so that's great but if you're setting a new year's resolution it's important to know where you're aiming where am i going what do i want why do i want it is this meaningful to me right because again when you when you choose something you're inevitably giving up something else and i'll talk about that in lesson number seven but you need to then reverse engineer short-term tactical things down to the day and this is where a lot of people mess up is they never think about the how, they just think about the what. And so instead of going, I'm going to write a book next year, right? I'm, I'm working on writing my first book ever. I have so much imposter syndrome, but I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to write it and we'll go through it. We'll, we'll face it. We'll cross the bridge when we get there, but first write the thing, right? And if I just said, I want to write a book, well, I can choose what days I'm going to write, if I'm in the mood to write, all those things. But if there's a how, right? And so now I I read for at least an hour a day. I write for at least an hour a day, at least, right? So there are days where, like the other day, I wrote for about two hours and 25 pages. There's days where my creativity lacks and I'm going to sit there and stare at a piece of paper. And if I only write one paragraph or one sentence, it better be a great fucking sentence, right? But I'm disciplined enough to schedule it in and say, if I'm going to write a book, I need to do something every day that gets me closer to writing this book, right? And so it's not only the direction and the goal that you set, but the tactical how. So if you're someone that's getting on your health and fitness journey, I think the first thing to do is cultivate awareness. You are where you are for a reason, whether it's habits, beliefs, actions, thoughts, um, regimens, stress management, emotional turmoil, coping mechanisms, all of those things, right? You have to be transparent about where you are and honest with yourself about what's gotten you here. Because if you cannot, you will never be able to overcome a fear if you refuse to acknowledge that it exists. Same thing with problems or habits or beliefs, right? You cannot attack them head on and address them or break them if you refuse to acknowledge that they are existing in the first place. So that's where you have to come in with curiosity over judgment, because a lot of people will identify themselves with their thoughts. And that's an entirely different spiel that I'd probably need an hour to go on and give you tactical insights on you know how to bring awareness to your thoughts without being judgmental and if you guys want me to do that i'd be happy to it's one of the frameworks that i go through with um, my personal development clientele but that would be lesson number five so lesson number six and this actually comes from while i have lots of discipline um and i'm not always motivated i understand the discipline motivation cycle however i work with many people and talk to many many people um that struggle with motivation. And they're like, something's wrong with me. I'm not motivated. And I know I need to do these things, but I'm inherently just not motivated. And that's because we have this idea that we're always inherently going to be motivated if it's the right thing, right? You're just motivated to do it. And going back to writing my book, I'm not always motivated to write. Sometimes I'm like, oh my God, I'm mentally drained. But once I put the pen to paper, the thoughts tend to come. And so the same thing comes because as I write more, I'm more motivated to continue writing but it didn't come from motivation to write. It came from taking the action and then reading it back and then going, oh, here's another thought. Here's another page. Here's another sentence. Here's another paragraph. Oh my gosh, five pages later, because you get motivated by the return or the benefit, the reward 
that you get from doing the thing in the first place. And so this is where there's going to be high levels of resistance, especially if you're pursuing something you don't already have the habits in place to pursue. And so it's understanding that you have to go through some forced discipline when you're not motivated to get the outcome that makes you motivated. And then that motivation will ebb and flow, right? It's like relying on a friend that's kind of shows up sometimes and they're always late to the party and you hope they come, but they might not show up, right? That's motivation. That's that friend, right? The one that you fucking love when they're there and they're such a good time, but they're really wishy-washy, that person, that is motivation. And so if you rely on it and you continue to tell yourself, well, something's wrong with me because I'm not motivated to do this. I must not care that much or whatever. You're never going to have the courage to take the action that you need to take that will make you motivated. So understand the cycle there and what it really takes to get things done is always going to be overcoming the resistance, focusing on discipline. And one frame I really like to use when I'm stuck in a place where I'm not motivated is how will I feel tomorrow when I wake up? What will future Kate be proud of? What actions does she need to take to become the person that she wants to be tomorrow, the next day, next week, next month, next year? What do I need to do? Most of the time, it's not the thing that you want to do, but the discomfort is inevitably the most rewarding thing in the end. And you'll learn a lot about yourself and your ability to overcome and your resilience and your grit, um, your mental fortitude, all of those things. So I think just reframing that will help a lot of people. Now, number seven was one of my probably biggest lessons in 22, um, and this one is choosing your regrets. You know, when people ask me, what, um, what do you regret? And I used to go, I regret nothing. And inherently I, I really don't, I, I wouldn't change anything, but that doesn't mean I'm not curious about certain things. And so when you're faced with a choice, you have to pick the path because when there's a dichotomy in the road, right, there's a split, you have a, a, a choice to, to pick a path. Because either way, time will pass, right? And you don't want to just exist, so you need to make a decision. Okay, so when you're doing that, you need to step into another place of acceptance knowing that, unfortunately, pain and suffering are inevitable, no matter which path you pick, right? There's never been something in life that you've done where there wasn't some type of stress, emotional turmoil, pain, struggle, suffering, heartbreak. There's never been a time, and there never will be a time. So... We have to understand that is not only a necessary, but incredibly important part of life, right? The human experience has all these things ingrained and it is important that you go through them. It is unavoidable in your pursuits, regardless of which path you pick. So if you're going to pick a path, then you need to pick the one that is the most meaningful, where all of the pain and suffering will inevitably be worth it in the end, because the pursuit is worth it because you may, no outcome is guaranteed, right? So we have to understand that even with the path that you pick, especially if you're one of those people that seeks instant gratification, you need to think about it taking much longer than you anticipate it to take. But the pursuit of it, regardless of the pain, suffering, and inner turmoil, stress, sleepless nights, whatever it might be that you face, it's worth the pursuit in the first place. So you need to understand that you, inevitably when you pick a path, you're also letting the other one go right? Life would be enti entirely different. Maybe if you had chosen something different and the pain and suffering associated with that would be different as well. Sorry, my niece is not happy right now. Um, but it's important to consider those things because there is a cost. There are always be a cost. Life will never be easy. 
it's never been easy for anyone. Even the people that you look up to or admire on social media, they have their own shit. They fight every day, something. And we all do. So stepping into arena, understanding that it's inevitably a part of it. Well, then you can pick the path that makes it the most meaningful for you under those pursuits. Now, number eight. Um, this is essentially the story of my 2022. And this is where I am probably going to ruffle feathers a little bit. But I don't believe in balance. I think that that sets an unrealistic expectation of what humans are supposed to be able to do. And I think that if you try to equate your energy into even buckets, you will never actually be as successful as you want to be in any of those arenas. That's my opinion and my perspective. I'm open to being wrong, but that is what I believe. And so in order to achieve anything and like seriously get there, right, there has to be an unequal distribution of energy. And that means inevitably something in life is unbalanced. Unfortunately, when people try to balance everything, it's like the jack of all trades is a master of none. And instead of thinking about life or pursuits or food or fitness or any of those things, right, as a dichotomy of good and bad on or off, in or out, you know, and then judging yourself for whatever you might have been that day. If you can look at something in the human experience as a spectrum and understand that there are seasons with priorities in which the volume that you crank up on one thing inevitably means that the volume on the other thing needs to be retracted. So for a real life example, in at the end of 2021, was the last time I competed and my health went to absolute shit. It was, I had competed for multiple years before that, right? And didn't rest enough, didn't recover enough, certainly didn't get my metabolism or hormones where they needed to be. And it was just kind of like the the straw that broke the camel's back, they say, right? And so that last pursuit really did me in. Um, and then I had a choice to make, and this was a hard one, especially as someone who's like super into fitness, kind of built my my brand and my my business and my following and all those things around me being this athlete. But when I had to weigh the cost of continuing to pursue this image or my health, and because I want to be a mom and because I want to have a family, I need to be healthy enough to do that. And my entire reproductive system had shut down. I need to prioritize the short-term discomfort for the long-term gain. And so in 2022, I pulled back massively. I went from being in the gym four or five hours a day to not at all, really. Um, I am in this current situation, the most detrained I have ever been probably in my life. I grew up an athlete, played multiple sports, would work out multiple times a day. I mean, I've been in this. So this is truly the fear of uncertainty and the discomfort associated with that journey. But in hindsight now, hindsight's always 2020. It was worth it. I got my cycle back. My hormones are good. Yes, I had more body fat than I love. But because my metabolism is so healthy, because I can eat what I want, maintain my weight, I know that if I just go into a deficit and or increase energy expenditure, my body composition will inevitably improve. And that's what I'm excited for for next year is not even going into a calorie deficit, just getting back to consistent training and seeing how my body adapts, how it responds. Um, so I had to accept that my body composition, my fitness was going to suffer that year. And I doubled down on my business and my family and my relationships because that's what I had the energy to do was crank up the volume there while decreasing the volume on the other side. 
And I had to be okay with that. The problem is people put unrealistic expectations and pressures on themselves to show up and be this person, execute on all these things and get it all done. And you'll see like YouTube, like if you look at YouTube productivity, it's like one of the biggest channels, but most of those people struggle so hard with burnout because they try to do everything at such a capacity and people that can't feel like they're broken, you are human. And so if you can get into a place where you understand what is most important and what is the priority of that season of your life. And you can crank up the volume on that thing and understand that these few things might need to take a step back in order for you to really drive that thing home. You also have to accept and understand that you're going to suck at that a little bit more while you get really good at this. So that's lesson number eight. And also understand that it shifts. It will undulate, right? Things that you crank the volume down on inevitably in another season of life, you'll crank the volume back up, right? And it's it's this human experience spectrum instead of it being, oh, I quit this and I'm done with it forever. Well, that's not really how life works, especially if it's something that you are passionate about or you do find meaningful or you have purpose in, right? Those things don't tend to go away. They tend to eat at you if you continue to not pursue them um, in my experience anyways. Number nine, Simple does not equate to easy. And we tend to convolute things as if they're one and the same. And while there, I think one thing people do struggle with is understanding that two things can be true and opposite at the same time. Um, someone can make a terrible decision and still be a great person, right? We tend to identify people with with some of what we would judge them to be their shortcomings, but um, that doesn't actually say what type of person they are. It means that they've made a mistake, right? Most of the time, there are people that I listen to. Uh, I think it's important that I always challenge the things that I believe and I don't only consume content that I agree with. Um, so I, I listen to people all the time that I may not always agree with, but have great things to say and great insights. I can be like, wow, that was a really good insight from that person, right? Or even if I think someone is, a poopy person, right? But they do great things for other people. The two, both of those things can be true. Um, but I digress into a another lesson, I guess. Nine plus one, nine and a half. <laughs> um, but simple not being easy. And the, the easiest way that I can I can point this out for people is we all know how to lose weight. It's simple. It's a calorie deficit. But if it was that easy, we wouldn't be struggling with what we struggle with, with obesity and metabolic issues and all those things, right? So just because something is simple, like, hey, you just need to do this, the work required to actually do the simple thing isn't always easy, right? Discipline, habits, thoughts, beliefs, all it all comes down to that. What is going on in your head? What experiences are you creating? What are you cultivating into your reality? Um, and all of those things start in your head. And this is why I'm so passionate about integrating psychology with physiology because you will never get to where you don't you want to be if, if the space between your ears is chaos and then lesson number 10 and this one is one of the most important lessons that i've had and something that i really used a lot in 2022 and it is future frames and i have a lot of different frames depending on different you know things that i'm working through right but this is one of my favorites when it comes to a decision where i feel maybe fearful or uncertain of it I always ask myself, what would 80-year-old Kate want to reflect back on? Taking this chance, taking this opportunity, or wondering what if? And I'm not saying that's right for everyone. I tend to be a little bit more risky. Um, I tend to kind of, I like the analogy that I jump out of the, the plane and trust myself to figure out how to work the parachute on the way down kind of thing. Um, I am not exactly sure where that comes from other than kind of 
figuring out life on my own at a younger age and just kind of always being out in the world and learning to navigate it. Um, but when you think something is massively important right now, let's say for example, you, like I went through a bad breakup and it feels massive. I'm telling you it sucks. Um, getting your heart broken is not a fun thing, but looking back on it when I'm 80, it will be a blip on my radar. Something that feels massive in the moment in, in hindsight, in context to the rest of your life will be a blip on your radar. And so you have to think about what chances do I want to take? What life will I be proud to look back at? And because when you die, you die with you. And I know that that's morbid, but it is true, right? You know, you, you know what you said yes to, you know what you did and you live with yourself. You have to exist with yourself. So life is always something that I try to also have fun with and pursue things that I'm like, well, I don't know how this is going to go, but I'm going to find out because if nothing else, it's always a good story. Not always ready to tell it, but in hindsight, once you let all of the emotional roller coasters of life kind of work through you, it might be a great experience. You're like, wow, I'm really happy I did that. What a, what an incredible time. I was scared shitless. I can't believe I did that. Right. It's always a good thing. And you learn more about yourself and, and what you're capable of and the things that you can navigate and the experiences and the cultures and the perspectives and all of those different things. And then you can look back and you have these stories. And they're for me, I just think 80 year Kate would want that experience. I think. Yeah. And it makes it easier to take the pressure off whatever you're experiencing right now and also make a choice that you know long-term you will be proud of, even if short-term you is scared shitless to do it. So um, those are my top 10 for 2022. And if you are going into 2023 and you are thinking about your goals, like I said, it's great to have a goal, but make sure that you have tactical deadlines. And one thing I like to do every single year outside of reflecting, because I think reflections are important. You can figure out what lessons you want to carry with you, what insights you want to continue to be consciously aware of that you want to bring into the new year. But it's also really important to dump your shit, right? So all the things, the baggage that you've carried, the hardships, how hard you are on yourself, how judgmental you are of yourself, all the things that you think about yourself, whatever, all the negative shit, relationships, friendships, work endeavors, people, things, places, social media, whatever it is. All of the baggage that makes you feel negative or distresses you the fuck out, you also need to reflect on, is it worth it to continue to carry the shit or do I need to let it go to create space for a different growth, right? Because we can only grow in so many directions until you're not growing at all and you have to create space for that. So outside of reflecting and then deciding what I want to take with me, what I want to leave behind, I then said a word of intention for the year. Actually, last year, my word was intention. I wanted to be very intentional about the things that I did, the relationships that I cultivated, the things that I was doing in my business, intentional about the fact that I needed to do the hard thing, regardless of whether it was what I wanted to do, right? With resting and doing dance and yoga and trying jujitsu and all those things. Um, it was different. It was fun. I learned a lot about myself and it's important to then have something that grounds you when shit gets hard. That's why I love setting a, a word of the year. The year before that was alignment and it was like the word of the year really. Um, and so I try to set something, set the tone, right? So whenever I'm going through a hard thing or I'm frustrated or emotional, it's like, hey, this, this is it. This is 2023. What is it for you? And I can reframe that and kind of pull myself out and get a bigger perspective on on what the bigger picture is, what the bigger goal is, what the bigger mission is, what the bigger purpose is. So I would encourage you to sit down and think about that. What is your word of the year going to be? And if you do, shoot it to me on Instagram. I'd love to know.
with that, I hope this episode was helpful. I'll talk to you in 2023.